Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Let's open up our Bible to 1 King chapter 3, um, verse 3 to 15. I'm reading from the ESV version. Uh, if you guys don't have your Bible, it's okay. We have it up there. First Kings chapter 3, 3 through 15. I'll read for us. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father, when he sacrificed and made offerings at the highest, high place. And the king went to the Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was the great, that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before in you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him the, this great and steadfast love and give, have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in this place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go in, how to go out or come in. And your servant is the, in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, um, too many of them to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord, and Solomon had asked this. That Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I, do now, I, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. So, so that none like you has been before you, none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all days, all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keep keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he, he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for gathering us here together um, just to open up your word and, and just be with you and learn about you more, Lord. Um, as we... Um, Open up your word as we study your word, Lord. Speak to us and teach us to know you greater and even more. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you. And in your name we pray, amen. There is an old story called a story of 
woodcutter. There was a woodcutter that lived in the deep inside of the mountain. And what he did was chopping down the woods to make out his living and make money. And one day, as usual, he went out and he was basically chopping the wood. And as he was to chop another wood and he, as he was winding up, he slipped and his axe slipped out from his hand and the axe fell down into a lake, a deep lake that was nearby him. Because the lake was so deep, he couldn't really go find, he couldn't really swim inside. So he was really devastated because that was the only axe that he had at the time. He was worried because he wouldn't have made any money from, um, without that axe. So he was devastated, he was sad, and he was crying. As he was crying next to the lake, the guardian, ooh, guardian, <laughs> guardian appeared out of nowhere and asked this woodman, hey, why are you crying? And the woodcutter said, I just dropped my axe into this lake, and without it, I, I can't live. I can't make any money. I can't support my family. So this guardian disappeared again, probably went into the water, and he came back out with this golden axe, golden shining axe, and asked this woodcutter, hey, is this your axe, yours? And the woodcutter said, no, that's not mine. So the guardian went back inside of the lake, and this time he brought out this silver, shining silver axe. And he asked, the guardian asked the woodcutter, hey, is this yours? And the woodcutter said, no, that's not mine. My axe is just an ordinary old dual doing the job, cutting the wood, that kind of axe. Not gold, not silver, not any precious. So the guardian, after hearing that, went back down and he came back again. This time, he brought an actual axe that was, um, that was Woodcutter's axe. And then he asked, is this yours? And Woodcutter finally said, yes, that is, that is mine. He was happy that he found his axe. So he was all joyful and saying, yes, that is mine. And Guardian said, hey, here you go. This is yours. But not only that, because you are honest with your answer, now I'm going to give you this golden and silver axe. The honest answer of this woodcutter moved Guardian's heart that Guardian granted even more than what he deserved, which was golden and silver axe. And story ends by saying, the woodcutter was happy. They lived a happy life. Like any other old story, the story ended. But this story teaches us this one key that is important in our lives, which is being honest. When you're honest, sometimes it moves people's heart and brings something good into our lives. And another thing that this woodcutter had in his identity was being humility, being humble. When the golden axe and silver axe came into his eyes, he knew that he, wasn't, he didn't deserve any of those. What he deserved was whatever he had at the time. This honesty 
this humility moved guardian's heart and guardian granted even greater than what the woodcutter was looking for. Like how I do every week, every beginning of the service, let me ask you a question. What if someone like this guardian came to you and asked, what shall I give you? How would you answer? Perhaps if the guardian came up with this golden ass and asked you, hey, is this yours? How would you answer that question? How would you answer that question? What if it was someone else that comes to you and asks the same question, what shall I give you? Whatever you want, what would you want? And if this someone else was God, the God of all, the creator, all-knowing, all-powerful, the one who can do anything, Alpha and Omega, came to you and asked you this question, what do you want? What shall I give you? How would you answer that question? Anything that you ask, he will give it to you. How would you answer that question? There's a man in the Bible who experienced a similar kind of situation as this woodcutter, whereas God came to this man and asked this question. And he also moved God's heart, and God granted him more. And his name was Solomon. Solomon. You guys probably have heard his name because his name is pretty popular. Um, if you grew up in a church, we probably heard his name at least once, right? Who is Solomon? He was a son of David. He was a king of Israel. He is remembered as the wisest man in the history at the time. He was a very famous man. I mean, if he was alive today, I think he probably had the most Instagram follower or most subscriber from YouTube. He didn't even have to advertise himself because he was just that intelligent where people would just follow him or just subscribe his video. I think if I were to compare him to someone today, he probably would be like Elon Musk. You know, they're both rich, both very smart, both are very innovative, you know, well-known people. Solomon was that kind of man at the time. But if we read from the beginning of the first king, Solomon did not have this solid life from the beginning. Solomon's life was not perfect. In fact, Solomon was li Solomon's life was a little bit unique than other people, other prince. Why? First, he was a son of Bathsheba. You guys heard the name Bathsheba, right? The, the David and Bathsheba, the adulterous relationship we know about it. So when Bathsheba gave birth to Solomon, my assumption is because his mother was, had a, this adulterous um, relationship with David, I'm pretty sure the other families of David didn't really good, have a good impression for Solomon. Not only that, as he grew up, when he was about to become a king, his brother, Solomon's brother, was trying to take over Solomon's kingship as well. Ooh, drama right here. All right. So what Solomon had to do was, 
after he becoming a king, he had to kill all those brothers who was going after him. Even the servants who were being same side as his brother, he had to kill all of them as well to preserve his kingship. Solomon had to put blood in his hand. He did not start from the bottom. He did not start from the top. He had to start from the bottom. He had this rough journey to sit on the throne of Israel. But even in that journey, there's one thing that Solomon did not neglect in his life, which was to worship God. Solomon loved worshiping God. He was devoted to worship God. We can see that in our passage today. It says, Solomon worshiped the Lord at the Gibeon. Gibeon at the time was the highest place you could go near the Israel. Back then, they didn't have any temple or anything like that. So what would people do is they would hike up to the mountain, the highest mountain nearby the city, and they would worship God. And we're talking about king right here. King himself, he hiked up to the highest place that he could go as a king to worship God. Not only that, it says he gave, ten, he gave thousand burnt offerings. Offering at the time was a little bit different from today. We have a great platform where we can just go to our website and click and send money. Or we could bring our check and put it in the envelope. I'm not saying that those offerings are not precious or anything like that. It was just different, and we have technology where we could do it a little bit easier than it was before. But back then, what they would do is they would bring actual animals, okay? They would bring actual animals, and they would cut the animal into half, into half. And they would take all the guts out from the um, animals and burn that animal for offering. Before a king to do that, a king who actually cuts the, cuts the animal into half, taking all the guts out, probably he did it with the servants as well, but still, as a king, he had to put all those blood in his hands and give that to offering. That was a humbling thing that Solomon could do as a king. He was humble. He was in the most vulnerable place at the time. And just like that, in that night, in that dream, God appeared to Solomon because God knew Solomon's of his heart of worshiping him. And when God appeared to Solomon in his dream and asked this question, what shall I give you? Solomon's answer was a little bit unique. I mean, you would expect Solomon to answer like this. God, I want this in my life. God, I want that in my life. But Solomon doesn't answer like that. He did not request anything. But first, Solomon recognized that it was God who did everything. It was God who established everything. We can see that in um, 1 King verse six, three, uh, 3, verse 6, it says, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before in you faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart. 
towards you. He gives all the glory to God. But we have to think about this. Solomon is doing this in the dream. Solomon is not just doing at the temple, the highest given as an awake mind. But Solomon is saying this in a dream, saying, God, it was you who did everything. I mean, I know there are people who don't dream sometimes, but if you dream, you know it's hard to control your dream. Can you agree with me with that? Like, is it, is it easy to control your dream or like when you dream? Personally, I don't think so, not for me. But for Solomon, even in the dream, he was ready to glorify God. He was ready to tell God, God, it was all about you in my life. This shows me that Solomon had this heart of worship, ready to glorify God in any time. Then Solomon proclaims this. It wasn't me, God. It was you. I don't deserve anything. Solomon said, I don't deserve anything. I'm just like a child in verse 7. He humbles himself and tells God that it was all David's work, his father's work, not his own. It was David who walked in the faithfulness and righteousness. Solomon recognizes that him becoming a king and sitting on the throne of this Israel is not his effort, his power, but it was just his father's work. And it was God who put him on the throne. Solomon knew that it was God who uh, made him a king. This is a very humbling scene for Solomon. Let me tell you something. Israel at the time was not small. Israel at the time was a pretty big country. You know, we hear a lot of stories about David after David becoming king. He expanded the Israel to the place where he can't even know. It was that big. It was big to the point where it led David to a sin of pride as well. Oh, this is my country? Dave, it was one of the sins that David committed in his life, saying that, wow, this country is pretty big. It is, it's to the point it stumbled David. That's how big Israel was at the time. And Solomon was king of that kingdom. Isn't that a humbling thing? To call him himself a little child as a king of that kingdom. And when we see this little child in original text, it literally means tiny boy. Literally means little, tiny, and child, boy, literally. As a king who reigns over the uh, thousands of armies, thousands of people, great land, great nation, calls himself a tiny boy. That was Solomon's humility at the time. And Solomon says this, and your servant is in the midst of your people that you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multiple, multitude. Whose people is it? Is it my people? Is it Solomon's people? No. Solomon says, it's your people, God. Solomon says, not my people, not my nation, but your people. God, your people. When was the last time 
you told God the career that you have, the businesses that you have, the team that you have, the properties that you have, the money that you have, the achievements, educations that you have. When was the last time you said, God, that's yours? When was the last time you told God, God, whatever the things that I have is yours? Solomon said that. Solomon said, no, God, it's all yours. Solomon was different. And we come to this great moment. Solomon answers God's question, what shall I give you? Verse 9, it says this, Give your servant therefore an understanding of mine to govern. Again, your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this. Again, your great people. Solomon's asking something not for himself, but for God. God, your people. Your chosen, your great people. And Solomon asked this for an understanding of mind, understanding mind. Understanding mind is directly translated into listening heart. At the time, according to the Egyptian liter uh, wisdom literature, it says that listening heart is often used for a wisdom for the kings to govern over his people. So when Solomon was asking this listening heart, he wanted to have this listening heart for God's people, attentive ears to hear the God's people's voice. Certainly, Solomon was asking for this great wisdom to govern not his people, but God's people in his life. And also in 2 Chronicles, it says that God, I mean Solomon wanted wisdom from God. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. This was written by a different writer. Same story, but it shows that Solomon asked for wisdom to govern God's people. But one thing that is very strange is that Solomon at the time was doing a pretty good job as a king. He um, just had a marriage alliance with the Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter at the time. You know, marrying into a, a Pharaoh's family at the time was like you marrying to a, I mean, I mean, we're all married, or some of us are married already, but if you're married, it's like you're being married into this royal family in Great Britain, United Kingdom. Like you're marrying into a family that controls the whole world. This is what Solomon did. Solomon basically made alliance with this kingdom that can control over the world. Not only that, David, before he dies, he says that, Solomon, you're a wise man. In my own understanding, even before Solomon asked for more wisdom, Solomon was already a wise man. Solomon was already known as a man of wisdom. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not written in the Bible. I'm pretty sure that he probably did a lot of great things for his kingdom to make it even greater than before. Solomon was already a wise man, but Solomon asked for more wisdom at the time. 
This is humility. This is humility that we see in Solomon's life where a wise man seeking for more wisdom to, to govern God's people and God's nation. God was pleased with this answer, proclaiming that, God, it's all you, not mine. I don't want the things for me, but God, I want the things for you and your people and you alone. This pleased God's heart. Solomon moved God's heart just like this woodcutter moved guardian's heart. God was moved by Solomon's answer. God granted Solomon what he asked for, the wisdom to govern the great kingdom of God. And just like how the guardian gave this golden and silver eggs to the woodcutter, God granted even more to Solomon, which was riches, long life, and even more. That he had this fame that was received from God. The Bible records that he was rich, he had many, he reigned over a great nation, and he was the wisest man in the history. Solomon's prayer was full of humility. When we pray to God, we must desire to pray just like Solomon all the time, like how he prayed to God, the prayer of humility. A prayer of humility means praying for the things that what God wants in our lives. Let me say that one more time. A prayer of humility means praying for the things that what God wants in our lives. Let me make it even a little bit more simple. Praying, pray, prayer of humility is seeking God before anything. Seeking God before anything. Then how can we pray this prayer of humility? We must seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus teaches this in Matthew 6, 31. Very famous passage, right? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus teaches, don't be anxious about anything, but seek what? Seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. I'll be honest, this is really easy to read, right? Easy to read, seek the kingdom first. Seek the righteousness first. But let me ask you a question. When there's a hardship in your life, when there's a suffering and struggles that you face in your life. But when you desire something so much in your life, how do you pray to God? Do you pray to God, God, I don't care about this hardship. I seek for the kingdom of God first. Or do you have this prayer like, God, I want this promotion. God, I want this job. 
God, the new Tesla that came out, that looks good. The gas price is pretty high right now. I mean, the lottery ticket that just, that just won, you guys know how much it was, right? It was $2 billion lottery ticket where you just get just $1 billion check, the check that can make you $1 billion in a second. Don't we pray like that? I mean, for me, I prayed to God when there was a leakage in my ceiling. I literally prayed to God, God, fix my leakage from my ceiling. When we face this hardship, when we face this struggle, we sometimes, or almost all the time, we forget that we need to seek the kingdom of God first and not be anxious about anything, but we're so quick to pray, God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need this for my life. God, I, 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 for me, for myself, God, I need this. Not, God, I want what you want. But Jesus promises that don't be anxious for anything. I know it's hard. I know it's hard in your life, but don't be anxious about anything, but seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. I have a little, I have this small story, little story that I have. Um, this is a story that I have with my wife. This is a, a story that a little college boy trying to ask out this girl to a date. When Ashley and I um, first defined the relationship together, I wanted to make sure that this relationship was something that God wants. And I'll be honest, I said it like this, but I was trying to act like holy men. <laughs> I was trying to act a holy man in front of Ashley and saying, Ashley, I want our relationship to be something that God wants in our lives. But deep inside of my heart, I'm like, no, God, no, Ashley, I just want to date you. But I just wanted to say something that would make Ashley like me or something like that. I was just being that college boy, you know. And because we defined our relationship, because we did hard, I knew that Ashley liked me at the time too. And I knew that Ashley, I like Ashley. So I knew that we didn't really have to pray. I knew that if we start to date, then we would date. But to make myself a little bit holier person and make, approach this with this prayerful heart, I asked Ashley, hey, why don't we pray for this relationship? So we decided to pray for seven weeks. Man, that was a long week. 49 days as a college boy, that was long to try to date someone. And each week, we set like a prayer topic. First one was like, let's pray for each other's visions to align with God. That sounds so holy, right? I don't even know how I came up with it. <laughs> Second week was, let's make our vision align together because we have to have the same vision as a couple. Third week, let's pray for you, Ashley. And fourth week, Ashley, pray for me and yada, yada, yada. I'll be honest, 
I'm sorry, but I don't remember the fifth week, sixth week, seventh week prayer request. But we set those prayer requests every week per topic so that we could approach this relationship with a prayerful heart. Well, for me, yeah. I can say it on behalf of Ashley. I'm pretty sure she was really praying. But for me, it was a little bit different. But when we got to fourth week of this prayer, man, I got tired. I got really tired because you're just praying the same thing seven days repetitively. I'm not really good at repeating stuff, so I was really tired. And I just broke down to God. I was at the conference, I remember. I asked him, God, why is this prayer so tiring? I mean, God, I'm trying to be this holy man, holy boy, and prayerful man, to, trying to show Ashley that, that I really trust you, God. But why is this so hard? And at the time, God spoke to me with his clear voice and said, Daniel, why are you praying for this? I mean, God, what do you mean? What do you mean and why am I praying for this? God, I want this relationship, relationship to be holy. That's what I'm praying. But God was asking, Daniel, are you really praying this prayer for me? Or, Daniel, are you praying this prayer just for yourself? Daniel, stop praying for yourself, but first know me and seek me first. So all the, the reason why I probably I forgot those fifth, sixth week and seventh week prayer because, because from that week I started to pray to God, God, I want to know you more and I want to seek you more in the time. So the rest of those seven weeks, I pray to God, God. I want to know you more. God, I want to seek you in every day. The prayer was answered. Prayer was fruitful. I had a peaceful heart in my, I had a peaceful heart, basically. And I asked Ashley out and praise the Lord, I'm happily married right now. <laughs> yeah. But one thing that God granted me at the time even more was that she was willing to marry uh, this boy who's going to seminary. She was willing to partake in my ministry together, and she was willing to serve the things that I do in church or retreat or wherever I go. This was something that God granted even more than just Ashley. And I really think God answered a prayer, not because I'm not saying that I did great, but I was trying to be humble before God. God, I want to know you first. God, I want to seek you first in my life. Brothers and sisters, church, our goal is to pray, not just for ourselves, but really seeking God first in our lives. And we also, through this prayer, we want to move God's heart. Not really seeking for the greater things, but really to glorify God for who He is and what He's doing in our lives. Then how can we have this heart of this prayer, prayer of humility? What did Solomon do? When God approached Solomon, Solomon, the first thing that he did was he glorified God. 
maybe it's time for us, time for you to say, God, the job that I have right now is not mine, but it's yours. The family that I have right now is not mine, but it's yours. The money that I have, the achievements that I have, the education that I have right now, God, is not mine, but it's yours. Maybe that's one thing that we can do first. Then after that, God, I want you in my life. I have a slide up here. This is the prayer that I learned um, at the first year of seminary. It's called prayer of intention. Um, professor recommended us, or more like you have to do it, <laughs> not recommend it. Um, but the professor told the students to pray like this every morning. God, whatever I do today, I want to do this in you. I don't want to do this alone in my own power or as a way to hide and cover. I don't want to find my identity in anything but Christ. I want to welcome, I mean, I want to invite all of you guys to have this prayer every morning. Maybe five minutes up earlier. And this is a challenge for me too. My wife can um, testify. I'm really bad at waking up early. But I try to do this. God, whatever that I do today, let it be you, not me. Whatever you want to do in my life, not whatever I want to do. Church, do you desire this today? Do you desire to live a life that is fulfilling this world, or do you live? Do you desire a life that is fulfilling God's heart? Do you desire God's heart in your life, or do you desire this worldly things in your life? I want to challenge all of you, and I pray that you and I have this heart like Solomon, where we become humble before God. And we pray to God, God, not me, but you and you alone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.